are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. notice like I have that our lives, it pivots, it hinges on the decisions we make. We can make a very foolish decision and hurt our lives and hurt others. For example, I could choose to just avoid the red light here at the intersection on Montague today. I don't like that red light. I could just choose to blow right on through it as cars are coming 45, 55, 60 miles an hour. 185,000 cars go through that intersection every day. 185,000. I might make it. Maybe Noah's coming. Maybe these five lanes and these five lanes, maybe I can make it. Whoo! But most likely, there's gonna be a collision. I might take the life of another. I might take my life. I might maim my life or someone else's for life because life hinges on the decisions we make. I can guarantee it, Sunday morning, February 24th, 2019, you're not gonna die in a plane crash. You chose to be in God's house. You're not gonna die on a ski slope you chose to be on God's house, at God's house. You're not gonna die in a railroad crash at this hour because you've chosen God's house. Our lives hinge, I've made so many good decisions in my life. One of the great decisions my wife and I made so many years ago to come to this place. Now decades and decades later, we're still rejoicing that decision. Jeremy, looking at a man that's made many very foolish decisions, selfish decisions, self-will decisions, and I reap the consequences. I've told it so many times, I won't tell it again other than the fact that in 1963, I can remember the fellows I was with throwing pebbles and rocks to a fellow in front of us. We had no sidewalks on the way to school. He got so troubled, he crossed the road. When he came to the end of the road at Barbara Dutra's farm, he crossed back over and walked out in front of a 1963 Valiant. I'll never forget the thud of that boy. As he landed on the hood, and I, the cars before all these modern brakes, he used to squeal, the squealing of that brakes and the thud when his body hit that car. And then as he flung off that car and laid in the pavement before us and his legs both broken and bleeding, That was many years ago, 1963. I can't get it out of my mind. I remember the time of year it was. Oh, I wasn't throwing the rocks and I wasn't yelling at him, but I was with the crowd that was. I remember cheating on an exam one time and it was the same year, 1963. I was in the back of the room. I can remember the chair I was sitting over on this side one person behind me, and the lady, I could call her name to this date. 
I could call her name right now. And I, I, I looked at her paper and she knew I needed some answers and she slid it over there. And the unfortunate thing, she wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I copied her answers. And the teacher said, Jack, and called her name. The next day, I wanna see you. We went up there. She said, these answers are exactly the same. I thought, how did she cheat off of my paper? <laughs> Isn't it amazing to remember that? Probably 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I was at a department store and an old, sweet, sweet old lady said to me, are you Jack Treber? And I said to that precious old woman, I am. And she said, do you remember me? I said, I'm sorry, I don't. You're a pastor, aren't you? I said, I am. I'm getting scared now. She said, and she called her name. That sweet old lady was my age. She did, I aged so well, she aged so badly. I hope she's not here this morning. It's an amazing thing. I never told her about cheating on her test and she did remind me about it. I hope she forgot. You know, there's many decisions we make that not only do we pay for, others pay for. There's a famine. Here in verse number one, and came to pass when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And your decision in a famine is quite often, and my decision in a famine is quite often the wrong decision. This man's gonna make a decision. The decision is gonna last for 10 years. They left God's appointed place because there was a famine. And they went to another place, another country, because they heard they could get food there. But isn't it amazing when you read later in this chapter, when her husband's dead, when her sons are dead, that the Bible said, and uh, Ruth said, I want to go back with you, Naomi. She said, don't go back with me. And when she came back to town, back to where there was a famine, she said, I'm Ruth, I I'm Naomi. Here's what she said, I went out full, but I came back empty. Her husband moved them because they were empty, they thought. And they thought they were empty, so they had to move to get full, full, and instead of getting full, they got empty, and they went back, she said, I was full, and I'm coming back, I'm a bitter woman. She always called me Myra, I'm just bitter. Not bitter at life, everything is, again, my life too is broken apart. Child of God, when you lose a job, don't jump. Wait. When you break, your, your health is broken, don't jump, wait. When you're going to ministry and the right thing doesn't open up, just wait. When you're dating a girl and you say, I just don't feel like she's the one, or I don't feel like he's the one, I'm not talking out of marriage right now. I'm just saying, if it's not right, wait but it's my last opportunity. I'm in love with Ralph. Ralph may not be the right answer. When we face a famine, we normally react. When you lose your finances, we normally react and say, I gotta, get, I gotta do something, I gotta do something. I gotta go over here, I gotta go over there, I gotta, I gotta do something. But God's word says many times that we ought to be still and know that thou art God. Wait on the Lord, and again I say wait. 
the famines come. The husband said, what we're gonna do, we're gonna live, we're gonna leave, and we're gonna leave Bethlehem, Judah, and we're gonna go down to this place for the next 10 years. And the Bible says in verse four, they took them wives of the women of Moab. How do we, what do we know about Moab? There are two boys, Moab and Ammon, the Ammonites and the Moabites. What do we know about them? Well, there's a man by the name of Lot, and Lot made a wrong decision. He chose the well-watered plain. In addition to that, he said, I want to set my family's eyes in the direction of Sodom. But the Bible says that Sodom was wicked before the Lord exceedingly. Men burned in their lust for men, and women burned in their lust for women. And God said, that's sin. But Lot said, I don't care what God says. I want to live there. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then you found him in Sodom. And the next chapter, you find him serving as a leader in Sodom. Lot came under the judgment hand of God. And you recall that as he was leaving, he lost his all minimum 10 members of his family. And, and Uncle Abraham pled with God, if there are 10 righteous people, would you spare, will you spare it? God said, I'll, I'll spare it for 10. But Lot didn't even get his family in. His wife turned back. She became a pillar of salt. His sons-in-laws mocked him. His sons mocked him. His daughters mocked him. But they had two single daughters. They went with daddy. He lost seven of the family. And then those girls left with daddy and Sodom was on fire and was smoking. Those girls contrived a filthy scheme. We'll have no seed of our family now. And the one daughter laid with her father, got him drunk and laid with them and they had a child. And then the other daughter laid with the father and had a child. They were the Moabites and the Ammonites. And they scarred their reputation, the names of the children to come for years followed because they were born from their grandfather and their mother. What a terrible situation. Now this man said, well, there's a famine. And his boys married girls that were Moabites. And the Bible says those girls their husbands died in verse five. And she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return. That's the first of eight times in this chapter you're gonna find that I'm going back. You know, I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. You get away from God, I get away from God, always come back home. Oh, somebody's gonna say, oh, the backslider's back. Well, let them say it, but get back. It's not what people say, it's what God knows. And, he, and she said, I'm going back home. I'm going, I'm going to go get things right. I wonder this morning, what is it in your life you need to get right? What well, I need to get right? The conversation with your mother that you should not have had and you mistreated her, do you need to get it right? The conversation with your dad or your siblings or the conversation with someone else, say, I've got to get it right. We'll get it right today. You're not ready to move forward with your life to you establish the right relationship with those that you've wounded. The Bible says that Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go and return each one to your mother's house. And the Lord 
deal kindly with you, verse 6, 8, as he hath dealt with the dead and with me. She goes, God's dealing with me. I want you to go. And you know the story. Oprah said, I, I want to go with you too. And Ruth said, I want to go with you. And she said, no, you go back. And then the key to, we, we quoted it, Weddings so often, it seems like you've heard it quoted at weddings, but it's a daughter-in-law telling her mother-in-law. Verse 15, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people. That's a very powerful statement. She's gone back to the Moabites, her people. Not to her, what's the word there, church? God's. She went back to that relationship of the Moabites and she went back to their gods, not to God, but to their gods. You return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, here it is, we quoted it, what is so often, entreat me not, don't force me to leave, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, let's read it together, ready, begin. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, Thy people, I want to speak on those last two words, my God. What Ruth was saying, I want your God. And I want your God to be my God because I believe not in the gods of my sister-in-law. I believe in my God, your God. There comes a time in everyone's life we need to find out who is my God. The mother-in-law says, now listen, and she wasn't certainly saying, if you give me time, I'll get married and I'll have children. She was telling that illustration, but she knew how absurd that was and you're gonna wait for these boys if I have boys again. She goes, I'm too old. We figured it all out for God. And she says, no, you don't wanna be with me. You don't wanna be with me, Naomi. I'm so bitter and I'm so broken. I've messed up my family. I, girls, I, I don't want to mess your life. I'm, I'm done with messing up people's lives. Don't go with me. And, and Ruth said, I, I don't want a son from you that can be my husband. I want your God. Do our kids want our God? Do our mates want our God? Do the people of North Valley Baptist Church want the God of their pastor? It may be my fault when you don't. I want your God. Your grandparents, you're so important. Brother Ed blessed my heart so much today when he said my 93-year-old grandmother's with the Lord now, she's in heaven. But he said, oh, back there in Minnesota, my mother, grandmother and grandfather, godly, godly people, they would drag me down the aisle. I'd get away from God. And as I got older, I'd get away from God. And grandma and grandpa, what they're saying, Ed, you need my God. And guess what happened in Ed's wife and life and his wife's life and now their daughter? That's their God. That's their God. I don't have any babies to give you. I don't have any sons. I don't want your son. Ruth, Ruth, don't come with me. I, I can't give you sons. Ruth, don't come with me. You go back to your gods. 
You go back to those gods and those statues, those things that you worship, you go back. I don't wanna go back to those gods. Mother-in-law, I want your God. Naomi had to feel like a failure. I've loused up as a wife and as a mother. So mother-in-law, I'm of no value. And that's maybe where you sit today. You think you're of absolutely no value, but there's a daughter-in-law watching and she may not say it today or next week or next month. It's been 10 years now that they've been there. And she might one day say, you know what? I want your God. I've been watching you, mother-in-law. I've been watching you, father-in-law. I've been watching you, mother, daddy, now, grandma, grandpa, I've been watching you. I, I, your grandson gets away from God and you go to church. Your grandson gets away from God. You sing the songs of Zion. Your grandson gets away from God and you still love the Bible. I need your God, grandma. Woo, glory to God. I'm getting happy on this one right now. You know, it becomes generational because here's something wonderful that happens. Oprah goes back to her gods. Never hear from her again. But Ruth says, I want your God. And from Ruth comes the line of one called Matthew chapter one, Jesus Christ. Brother, Brother Flood right here, just doing, he and his wife are such sweet young people, Cherith is here somewhere. They got a little baby, Jacqueline. What's her name, Jacqueline? Oh yeah, yeah, Juliet. They, they had the choice between Jacqueline and Juliet chose Juliet. I don't know why they would choose that. You could have had $100, my friend. <laughs> Brother Luke, your grandmother here and your grandfather, retired lieutenant colonel, military man. I've known them 45 years. They've been such faithful friends and godly church members all these years. I've never looked at what people give or don't give, but I promise you, that they tithe every Sunday. They come to God's house. Then God gave them children. And I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you, your uncle's back here, he was always a rebel. He was just always, he's still a rebel back there. There he is, right? He knows who I'm talking about. His wife's tried to straighten him out. Now he's got his mother-in-law and father-in-law visiting from Tennessee and you will not straighten him out. I'll tell you right now, we've all failed with him. Your, your uncle loved the Lord and your mother loved I watched them grow up. And then, then one day your mother fell in love with Chuck. I thought she could do a lot better. <laughs> My wife was the one that saw that before I said, that's, she said, that's gonna be a good couple, Chuck and Renee. And, and Renee Harder fell in love with I, I remember, I remember I, where I was seated in the old building in a little office, and I told your, who's now your father, I said, Chuck, I think you ought to maybe consider dating Renee. 
I said, I'm not the one to tell you who to marry. But I said, at least it's worth a date. Not only did they date, they married. And they had four kids and had actually five. Jacob's with the Lord. And I remember, I do remember when you were born. I don't know how ladies figure this out, but when your baby was born, my wife said, she looks just like Brother Luke. She's about this big. She's got a little tiny nose and little tiny ears, and how, how does she look just like, well, there are some tendencies that maybe she looks like, I'm not sure. You know what just happened? And Cherith was in China, served with her mother and dad as missionaries, and, and her grandparents, both sides, loved the Lord. So you have grandparents and parents and you and your siblings, and now a baby has four generations. Did you realize that today, as I look at your life and I look at Cheris's life, she has grandparents that love God and parents that love God and siblings that are serving God and herself, and now her siblings, they have children. You better not make some dumb decisions, son. Because there will, elderly people, people that are seasoned in life, there will be some famines coming. And somehow your grandparents on both sides made it through the famines. And your parents made it through the famines. And now you've got to make it through the famine. Don't, don't get bought into, what, what's changing our young people in America, our, our Christian young people? The internet. We're watching the internet and, well, these people have freedom and they can do what they want. And, and all of a sudden we get hooked into all what the internet is telling us to do. I'd go back to your grandparents and see what they did on both sides. I'd go back to your parents if I were you and you do. I'd go back to the old pastor that held you the day you were born. I'd say, I'd, I'd look back, but we go to the internet and we're looking to, wow, the internet doesn't, the internet. This is how you take care of a baby with colic. First of all, no man should know that. When the baby cries at two in the morning, here's how you handle it. Do not act like you hear the baby, fellas. <laughs> she will get up and care for the baby. I recall one time tried that. You remember I tried that. I could hear the noise. It was never Tim. It seemed like it was always the girls. You know how girls are. That was a funny ha-ha, folks. And I know it's 2019, but you can laugh at that. One of those three kids was crying. And I started in. And the next words I heard, well, the next thing I felt and then heard, you're awake and I know you're awake, but I'll do it. Okay, you take this time. She took every one of them. Thank God for that. Why don't you go to a seasoned lady that's raised a child? Well, the internet says, 
Well, where'd you get that from? From some girl that's never had a baby, but she's got a PhD in this degree. Some girl that she's raising her kids right now, she doesn't know diddly squat. There I go with Greek again. I get involved with that. And then if we're not on the internet, we're going to our friends. And if you're not careful, your friends are going to lead you down a path of destruction. And then we go to someone that we want to hear so they can tickle our ears and say, here's how you do things in life. And then we read some books. Why would you give up the heritage you have, Jack? I've had such a rich heritage. My grandparents, my wife are the same on her side. Grandparents, they believed in church and my our parents, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer, family Bible time, praying, singing, serving God. And then our generation, then our kids, and now our grandkids. Ruth, Ruth, stick with Naomi. You know, Naomi's maybe as parents and in-laws and older seasoned people, we might feel like, I'm just Myra, I'm, I'm bitter. I have nothing to offer. I've had so many failures in my life. Oh, but Ruth said, no, Naomi, where you, where you lodge, I'm gonna lodge, and where you go, I'm gonna go. And your people, your people, I don't wanna identify with the Moabites anymore. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. I want your God. I need your God. See, everyone in this room has a God and or gods. Who's yours? I can tell you right now that my God is real. Because the word of God says it, because of a transformed life, and I can feel him in my soul. I thank God for that old song. You need God. And in the family of your life today, whatever it is you're facing, and it looks so great and so big. I'm a senior at Bible college, and I'm not married, I'm not preparing to marriage. It's okay. It's okay. God will bring the right person in his time. He always does, always can. But I'm watching here, and I'm serving the Lord in my little area of the world. We have 15 people in church today. Oh, but let me tell you something. Man who reached the world for Christ, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, was in a church with about 15 people. And there was no preacher that night because of the great snowstorm. And a fellow like you would think with, he had bib overalls, guy which you think would have a pitch, pitchfork in his hand, stood as a layman and preached. He really didn't have a lot to say in a message and sermon but he had a verse and God got in the verse, Isaiah 45, 22. And he preached that night. Our preacher's not here and I'm not a preacher, but let me preach. Look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth. And he said, young man, he began to preach to that young man that stumbled in there. He said, young man, look to Jesus. You're trouble, I can see it. And he talked right to him. And he said, young man, you're trouble, I can see it. You need my God. You need Jesus Christ. He'll save you. Whatever it is in your life that you're facing, Christ is the answer. Look unto me. Oh, ye into the earth. Be saved. Be saved tonight, young man. Be saved tonight, young man. 
get saved tonight, he'll change your life. And not only did he, Charles Haddon Spurgeon get saved, he built the great tabernacle, fit 5,000 people. And on Sunday morning, they'd fill it once, and then fill it twice, and then fill it three times, and sometimes four times, and it preached without a microphone, and it preached a glorious message of Jesus Christ, and people by the thousands trusted Christ as Savior. Look unto me. Just an old country man spoke that day. What was he saying? My God's real. And Ruth said, I want your God. But your sister-in-law left. She can leave. She went back to her gods. She can do that. But I won't ever have a child. I understand that. But you'll leave your homeland. I know that because I want to go where you're going because your God is now my God. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. It's 12 o'clock. I really honestly have so much more to say. I don't know if I really even got to my entire message I want to. In fact, I know I did not. But I can say, my God, my God. As we stay in the auditorium, and Christian, would you pray for this invitation right now? This is, this is the moment of this week right now. This is the moment. Because maybe if you could intervene and intercede on the behalf of someone to get saved. And bus workers, I'll dismiss you in a moment. Please. I need everyone to be in a spirit of prayer. I beg you right now to pray that people in your area would know Christ. My God, your God. I want to beg you right now to pray for them. Perhaps you are in a famine. Don't turn to your wisdom about going to the land of the Moabites. Go to God. Wait on God. Trust God. Believe God. He'll give you a plan. He'll give you direction. Let God guide your life. In a moment, we'll stand. When we stand, I'll complete my prayer and the pianist to play and people can come forward coming to pray about whatever need it is, coming to get right with God, coming to get saved today. Follow the Lord Believer's baptism. To unite with this church, I don't know what the decision. Counselors will be ready, a man with a man and a lady for a lady. Our Father, oh, please continue to move in our midst. And as Ruth made the decision, he's my God. I've seen my God in you, Naomi. Oh, no. I'm now just a bitter old woman. I'm empty. I was full at one time, but I have nothing. Oh, no, Grandma. You don't think you have much. I can't see very well. I can't hear very well. I can't move very well. Oh, no, but Grandma, I need your God. I believe your God. Grandmas all over this nation could turn this nation back to thee. And grandpas all over this nation and mothers and nation, mother and dads, Oh, may we want the God of Naomi. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.